Welcome back to Sports Clutch with Dee Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Well, we are just over two weeks away until NFL training camps are in full force. And tonight, we continue our 2017 NFL Team Preview Series with a look at the Philadelphia Eagles. And to help us analyze the prospects for the Eagles this season is our good friend, Teron Davenport, who covers the team for USA Today's The Eagles Wire. And you could also catch him on TV in the Philly area on CSN Philly. Welcome back to the show, Teron. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really well, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. And we appreciate having you on as well, Teron. And uh, and and I forgot to mention that Teron also contributes to FootballGamePlan.com, and we had your main colleague from FootballGamePlan.com, Emery Hunt, on a few weeks ago, and we talked a little bit about this 2017 Eagles draft class with him. But we did not get a chance to take a deeper dive into their day three picks, which impressed me almost as much as their picks on days one and two. Uh, Adam Kaplan, formerly of ESPN, who's as close to the Eagles as any reporter in the business, he reported a couple weeks ago that the Eagles are very high on Matt Collins, the wide receiver from North Carolina, who they selected at 118 overall. They expect him to immediately slide into a gunner roll on special teams, but they also believe that he could eventually grow into a major contributor on offense, especially if Alshaw Jeffrey and Torrey Smith don't pad out on their one-year deals. Do you have similar expectations for Matt Collins? Well, I think that's a little bit of a high expectation for him as far as expecting him to come in and and replace Alshon Jeffrey if Alshon moves on. But I can see where he's getting that the Eagles are very high on him. Talking to some of the coaches that I've talked to, they are high on him. They love the way he gets in and out of his breaks. He's a big body. Coming out of North Carolina, he didn't get too many opportunities to really truthfully show himself on the football field as far as a receiver is concerned because of injuries and just other things. You know, there were other guys that that were more targeted by, you know, their quarterbacks. But I I wouldn't say he's someone to replace Alshon, but I I think he'll be in the mix. I talked to him personally about just his ability to move inside and play the slot and be that big guy in the slot that they would need if Jordan Matthews moves on. So I think Jordan Matthews, if he moves on, that's more of a slot I could see Mac Hollins filling just because uh, of what Matthews is able to do as far as using his big body and, and being a consistent catcher of the football in third down situations and a target that Carson Wentz would like to go to. Yeah, most definitely. And also, RotorWorld.com uh, shared that same view last week when they interpreted Adam Kaplan's report. They said that uh, he would likely mostly take Jason Matthews' place. And forgive the confusion, I wasn't suggesting he could uh, slide into Alshaw Jeffrey's role, especially if Jeffrey uh, does not move on. But uh, they also weren't done on day three, as alluded to earlier. They selected the all-time leading rusher in the history of the FBS in San Diego State's Donnell Pumphrey. He slid because of his size. He's only 174 pounds, but he uh, on paper, he is the ideal long-term replacement for Darren Sproles, and this could be Sproles' last year uh, with the Eagles. And if you look at that backfield the Eagles have now, it's pretty crowded, but LeGarrette Blunt's probably going to get the lead role, uh, and especially in goal line and red zone situations. But you also got uh, Wendell Smallwood. Uh, you got Sproles still there, and but you also have Pumphrey, and Pumphrey might be too talented to keep completely off the field this year, but uh, I'm just not sure how much we will see Donnell Pumphrey this year. How much do you think uh, Eagles fans should expect to see from Donnell Pumphrey in 2017? Well, I don't know if you're going to see a lot initially, but as the season wears on, they're, they're going to do a lot to get him on the football field. They used a lot of packages in which they had Pumphrey and Sproles 
on the field at the same time. They motioned Pumphrey out to wide receiver to get him isolated against a linebacker, and they were able to take advantage of that, running some of the choice routes, uh, you know, putting him on slants, running screens and things like that to get him the ball quickly and allow him to use what Joe Douglas calls his lightning quick feet, and he does have quick feet. It is uh, amazing how shifty that guy is, and he's someone that later on down the line, he could be a feature back in my book. And I know people say, oh, he's 170. I don't care about the weight. Size is not a skill. That's something that Emory and I uh, really believe at, at football game plan. And when you look at Danelle Pumphrey, if you watch the Wyoming game, you'll, you'll see there were third down and short situations, and, and he ducked his head, his, his shoulder rather, and he ran into the linebacker and fell forward and got the first down. You look at the senior bowl, you watch that game, Everybody was so high on Obi Melifanu, who is the 6'4", 220-pound safety coming out of UConn. I believe he went to Oakland. But Melifanu had a running start, okay? And uh, Pumphrey got the ball in the ISO. Melifanu, like I said, had a running start. They met beyond the line of scrimmage, you know, at the second level. Pumphrey fell forward, and the 6'4", 220-pound safety fell backwards. So that just goes to show you what Pumphrey brings to the field. Emery made a great comparison when he said that Pumphrey, not as much Darren Sproles, he reminds him of Warwick Dunn, a guy who was a feature back at under 180 pounds. So I think Pumphrey is going to be a presence for them in the long term. But in the short term, you'll see him possibly return some punts. You're going to see a package of plays in which they take advantage of his ability to catch the ball at the backfield. Thank you for that excellent analysis there, Teron. And as they say, big things come in small packages, and it definitely would not be a surprise to see Donnell Pumphrey become a major contributor on this Eagles offense going forward. And uh, they weren't done yet on day three. They, with their final pick over in the draft, the Eagles selected a defensive tackle from Washington, Elijah Qualls, who would have been drafted much higher had it not been for concerns about his weight, work ethic, and lack of length. A good friend of mine, another draft analyst, Eric Trickle from uh, Scout.com's Broncos website, MileHighHuddle.com, he loves Elijah Qualls. And he tweeted mm-hmm. out the moment the Eagles um, chose him that he thinks he could be a major steal. And he was obviously praying that he would fall farther so the Broncos could uh, swoop him. But uh, that's um, water under the bridge. Uh, how did Elijah Qualls look in OTAs to you? And do you think he can eventually take the spot on the Eagles defensive line that was vacated by the departure of Benny Logan? Yeah, I, I think Qualls, now he's someone we only saw in minicamp because of the, the NCAA rule of, about uh, graduating, the NFL rule. I, don't, I forget who rule it, it exactly belongs to, but if your school, you, you can't report to, to camp until your school has graduated. So he, didn't, he wasn't available for OTAs, but he was at minicamp. And here's the thing with Qualls, and I talked to him about this. He's finally in a scheme where he doesn't have to occupy blockers. You know, he would always, if you go back and watch the, the Washington tape, it's a 3-4 scheme that they use. And, and he was the guy up front, you know, that was so busy to gapping so the linebackers could come in and eat. You know, he kept them clean. So now you're seeing a guy who is actually a really good pass rusher, and he's raw. Remember, he played fullback in, in, in high school. So he's still raw, but one of the things that he did that was very intelligent was getting with Chuck Smith. Now, Chuck Smith is a former defensive end. He, he was a, a Pro Bowl player with the Falcons. He played with the Panthers also. But he has his own pass rushing school 
just like some of these quarterback coaches have their own school. And Chuck Smith worked with Quaz. He worked with, with Derek Barnett, uh, Marcus Smith, as well as Timmy Jernigan, who Jernigan, to me, is going to be the one to replace Benny Logan, just to get to that question that, that you had asked. But Quaz, you know, in talking to Chuck Smith, he said he was really impressed with what he was able to do just as far as the progress that he made in working with him. As far as the hands, developing that cross chop, you know, these are things that you have to be able to do when you're playing in a phone booth like you are as a defensive tackle. Qualls is excited about being in this scheme. He's excited about the energy that Jim Schwartz brings. He's excited about playing for Chris Wilson, the defensive line coach. So it's going to be a good situation. Chuck Smith said don't be surprised if he wins, not a starting spot, but he wins an opportunity to, to play a lot and – Chuck Smith predicted that Qualls is going to wreck training camp. Wow, wow. You're making me even more excited there, Teron. And another uh, thing, of uh, uh, episode of Qualls on tape that uh, caught my eye was in the game against Utah when they lined him up out wide on the mm-hmm. edge against Garrett Bowles, who went to yeah. 20 overall to my Denver Broncos. And it's important to know, folks, that both Garrett Bowles and uh, Elijah Qualls are two very raw athletes for their position, and they uh, had their fair share of of, uh, of wins and losses between the two in that game. But he had a spin move against Garrett Bowles that beat him out cold. It was like, it, it just caught my eyes. Uh, it, it, it was... Uh, it was one of his best moments on, on his tape overall, at least that I've watched. And uh, that, uh, and I just wanted to bring that attention to our listeners. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And when you have, you know, 330 pounds that, that, could, that could do that kind of stuff, it's, it's a good thing, man. Hey, you know, another thing, I, I, he smiled when I asked him about it, but he said he talked to Danny Shelton a lot, who was another big guy that, you know, Shelton's more of a zero tech, but, you know, they, they talked a lot in the time leading up to the draft and everything. And, and Qual said he, he doesn't want to be, he's, he's upset that he was slept on, you know, and he wants to prove everybody wrong. So I definitely wouldn't count him out. And a lot of people would definitely agree with you there, including my good buddy, Eric Trickle. And uh, two weeks from Thursday, the Eagles, along with many other teams, will have their first training camp practice of 2017. And throughout training camp, which position battle should Eagles fans pay the most attention to? Oh, man, there's a bunch. You know, I think the wide receiver situation is pretty interesting. You got Nelson Aguilar, who really excelled. And, of course, they were in shorts and T-shirts, but he excelled at OTAs and minicamp. And, you know, I think he was the best-looking receiver on the field, including a field that had Alshon Jeffrey on it. He, he made the most plays. So with Jordan Matthews having been out, Aguilar took full advantage of his opportunity in the slot. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic, how they balance out the playing time there. Also, it's going to be interesting to see Alshon, uh, well, not Alshon, but Torrey Smith and Aguilar, how, how that plays out for the, uh, the X position. I'm going to look at that. But um, I think that the positions that you have to look at, left guard, you know, you have Isaac Sayomalu, you have Alan Barber. These are guys that are going to compete as well as Chance Warmack. That's going to be an interesting battle. Um, the cornerback position, the, the nickel spot especially, they've been moving Jalen Mills inside and, and bringing Rasul Douglas, the, the rookie in at left corner, in their nickel package. But Aaron Grimes is a very good corner. He came originally from Idaho. He, he played for Edmonton uh, two years ago, and he's with the Eagles last year. He's someone who definitely needs to be watched out for as a nickel corner. 
In addition to that, you got Ron Brooks in the mix. So it's going to be interesting how they work that. Uh, what else? The number three safety spot. You got Jalen Watkins against Terrence Brooks. Watkins was the guy last year. He had a couple plays in which, you know, he gave up big plays, poor angle. But Terrence Brooks is a guy that could play nickel corner or safety. So they'll, they'll be competing. Brooks looked really good in, in, in many camps. So that's another one to watch out for. Um, just running through right defensive end. You know, Derek Barnett, I'll say it, just like I, I told many other outlets, you know, and shows that I've been on, he's the best pass rusher in the draft. You could talk that Miles Garrett athleticism all you want. He is nowhere near the player that Derek Barnett is. And I will stick to that. And you're going to see this year. So right defensive end, that's going to be something to watch out for. Between Derek Barnett, between Vinnie Curry, between Chris Long. Those are some things to watch out for, for sure. And I think this rookie class is going to have a nice input. You know, I mentioned Rasul Douglas. I, I mentioned Qualls. I mentioned, you, you know, Derek Barnett, uh, Pumphrey. So it, it's going to be good to watch these guys. And then you also have the weak side linebacker position where you got Nate Jerry competing with, with, um, with uh, Michael Kendricks and, and Najee Good. So those are some things to watch out for. And I definitely look forward to hearing all about those battles from you and others on the ground at Eagles Camp Tehran. And the Eagles are building a very solid young roster, just like their tenants in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia 76ers, their co-tenants, <laughs> I should say. And uh, also bringing Joe Douglas in, as you mentioned, as the number two to Howie Roseman is going to do the team wonders down the road. And I think it starts this year with that draft that they have put together, which uh, is a flush with promise. But the elephant to the room still remains Carson Wentz. And uh, there were mixed reviews on him coming out of OTAs. Like he started off slow but finished strong, which is which is good. But mm-hmm. a lot of people, um, uh, including an article I read by Doug Farrar, Bleach Report, analyzed his tape from last year. And it said that, yes, Carson Wentz is going to improve, but it's going to be more of a slow, gradual improvement that might be painful at times for fans to watch. Uh, so my question is uh, to you now, in your view, how much improvement should we expect from Carson Wentz this season, and who does his projected development arc compare to, in your opinion? Well, I'll say this. I saw literally every throw that Wentz made in OTAs at minicamp. And, yes, he had a, a slow start. But here's the thing. You can't overemphasize what happens in OTAs at minicamp. And when you're doing these kind of things, you know, at that point in time, you're, you're trying different things. And remember, this is a guy that, that is tweaking his footwork, tweaking his release point on his throws, tweaking, you know, his angles on, on, in which he throws. So I think whatever you saw and in some cases, whatever was reported from what others saw, I, I think that's something that you just had to keep it in, in the proper perspective. Carson Wentz, I think, is going to progress. I'm not so sure that he's going to make that jump like a, a, a Derek Carr from, from year one to year two. But I, I think that he's going to be a guy that is more along the lines of a Ryan Tannehill to where you see him start to, you, you know, take a few more chances where you see him, the, the reads get a little bit deeper as far as like the progressions that he's able to make. You're going to see those type of things. And I think Tannehill and Wentz, those are our kind of, mirror-type uh, quarterbacks, interesting enough, they're going to be uh, up here, well, yeah, up here to practice against the, the Eagles, Ryan Tannehill and the Dolphins. So that would be nice to see the two, you know, on the same field. 
But that that would be along the lines of what I would say. I, I think you're going to see a little bit more accuracy across the middle. You're going to see him play with a little more confidence as far as believing what he sees. And that's something that that you have to look at. And I mean, I mean, most of the times the average fan can't see that or understand what I'm saying with that. But pretty much what I mean with that is, you know, when you see a receiver open, just a little open, you have to believe that he's open and throw the ball to him as soon as you see that. You can't hesitate. That hesitation, not believing he's as open as, as he looks to you, that's what causes interceptions. That's what causes incompletions. That's what, what, what causes, quote-unquote, wide receiver drops. If a guy's running full speed, you, you know, crossing the field, and you throw the ball behind him, hey, yeah, statistically it's going to be a drop, but in my book, that's on the quarterback. Because he didn't put the ball where the receiver needed to have the ball in order to secure that catch and get yards afterwards. So that's my take on Carson Wentz. I think, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 touchdowns, uh, 14, 15 interceptions is definitely reasonable to expect from him. I think he'll get 35 to 4,000 yards passing. But most importantly, it's going to be him making the guys around him better. That's what he has to do, and that's the way he can elevate his game. Most definitely, and as you alluded to, anticipation is the name of the game for quarterbacks at the NFL. It's all about anticipating when a receiver is going to make his break to get open, and that is not what the Eagles are going to be looking for from Carson Wentz uh, in camp this year, but that's also, uh, I believe, what the Broncos are going to be looking for from Paxton Lynch this year and the Rams with Jared Goff, uh, you name it. And uh, he is Teron Davenport, ladies and gentlemen. He covers the Philadelphia Eagles for the USA Today's The Eagles Wire, as well as you can catch him on television in Philly and CSN Philly. And he also covers college football in the draft for footballgayplan.com. And Teron, we thank you very much for joining the program once again. But we have one quick question before we let you go here. Uh, what do you think is the floor and ceiling record-wise for the Eagles in 2017? I think eight and eight to ten and six is is probably where where they'll finish off. Uh, I could see that. Uh, I think more towards the ten and six range. And that would be a shock given all this talent on the roster. Thank you once again, Teron. You can follow him on Twitter at t davenport underscore nfl. You are truly a great friend of the show. It's always fun to have you on here, and we hope to have you on here sometime uh, in the very near future. But for now, enjoy training camp and enjoy the season. We look forward to your coverage this year. Much appreciated. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome, Tehran. And that's all for today here on Sports Crush with D. Crom. But we plan to be back here in a few days for a look at the 2017 Cincinnati Bengals with Catherine Terrell, who covers the team for ESPN's NFL Nation. So stay tuned. Also, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is crunch with a K. For Tehran Davenport, our producer Chris Broadhead, our man in the box, I'm David Cromlow saying so long. And, of course, stay awesome.